Welcome to Mind Over Miles, a show about the mental lessons learned and practiced on the run. In season one, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the book I'm writing about the mental side of running and motherhood. I'm sharing the interviews I've done for the book with professional, elite, and regular runners who are also mothers. Thank you to all my interviewees, and thanks to you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Today, I'm talking with Gwen Jorgensen. Gwen is an Olympic gold medalist. That's right, gold. She won gold in the triathlon at the 2016 Rio Olympics. And in the year after that, she had her son Stanley and switched from being a professional triathlete to a professional runner. Since then, she's been working towards her goal of winning another Olympic gold medal. This time, she hopes in the marathon. And she has a really fun and interesting YouTube channel where you can get probably the best behind-the-scenes look out there into what it's really like to be a professional runner. So after you hear this conversation, go check her out. The first question I'd like to start with is, how do you think becoming a mom changed who you are as a runner? It has changed me for the better in a lot of ways. I've I've become more um, deliberate with what I do because I... I want to make sure that I'm using my time wisely. So I no longer, you know, do an exercise just because I think I should, like if I'm doing something, it's for a purpose and I'm making sure that the intent is there and that I actually am focusing on what I'm supposed to be focusing on. So I think, you know, like before having a kid, I'd maybe go through to the gym and just kind of go through the motions. And now after having a kid, I know like if I'm going to spend time working on myself, um, you know, running and doing stuff at the gym to be a better runner, I'm going to make sure that I'm having intent and that I'm really, you know, mentally focused on it um, so that I can get the most out of it. I also think something that it's changed for the better is just mentally it. I've always been someone who performs best when I'm able to disassociate from sport. And so like, if you come home, like when I was younger, I was a swimmer and I remember I'd come home and if I had a bad practice, like my entire week was ruined it felt like my whole identity was in my sports. And I gradually, as I aged, was able to overcome that and become a better athlete because of it. And just a better human. Cause I was no longer cranky if I missed a send off or something. But after having a kid, I think that's just exponentially, it's just there. Like you come home from a workout or a run and your kid doesn't care how it went. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for you, it's just like a really good, I think for me, at least it's been a really good distraction and something that mentally has allowed me to become a better runner because I'm not obsessing over a bad workout that happened. You know, I'm able to come home and the reality is a bad workout here and there, everyone has them and it doesn't ruin anything in your training. The only way it ruins it is if you obsess over it and let it mentally take over. And so I think having a kid you're just able to have that sort of thing outside of running. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that was actually something I had written down of talking to you about, uh, that this idea that you actually, you know, all the things you do are enriched by doing other things. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think (sighs) being able to, you know, I have to run. I always thought like I, wanted to be a stay at home mom. And then I had my son and I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm actually a really, really great mom. If I can get out and run every day. And if I'm not able to get out and run, I'm not such a good mom. I don't have as much patience. I, you know, didn't get that high from running. And so I just like, I'm looking for it in other places. And so I think, you know, that's something that's been really, um, a growth thing for me as well as just learning more about myself and what I need to be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the flip side of that question, how do you feel like running makes you the mom that you are? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't know how to answer this one. I think, you know, for me, I've always been active and that started with my parents doing things with me outside and, you know, just getting me outdoors. And I think that for me has impacted how we raise our son. So He right now, like we searched and searched for an outdoor school because we really wanted him to be outside. And so he now goes, he's in like a preschool, he's four years old and he spends from nine to one outside every day 
no matter the conditions with a little caveat, like if it's dangerous, they'll go inside for like a 30 minute session and then come out. But he's been in that, um, since the beginning of the school year. And I think they've spent, they've gone inside like two or three times. And so I think, you know, that's really changed me as a, as a mom, you know, like things, we go on a family walk every night and it's not far. It's like a 10 minute walk around one block. And it's just like getting outside. And I think, you know, for me, I want him to appreciate nature and the world as, as much as my husband and I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I used to, uh, I used to live in San Francisco and I worked at an outdoor preschool and it was such a, so cool. Yeah. Yes. The kiddos, you know, there's no toys and sometimes Stanley complains because my son loves toys, but I think it's also (laughs) good for him to learn. Like, you know, it's funny. He'll like come home and teach me some things about animals or other things. And it's just, it's really, you know, he has this appreciation for nature as well, which I think is so important right now, just with obviously global warming and like all these things that are happening. Like he kind of understands like that we have to be kind to trees and that they're a living thing. And just those sorts of concepts I think are are really important uh, to learn. Yeah. That's, that's especially cool that in Colorado, they're spending all that time outside. Yes, it is. And thankfully it's sunny right here. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So then I wanted to talk about mental strategies or attitudes that you use in both running and motherhood. And I've got a bunch of things written down. So I think I'll, I'll start with those and then see if there's any blanks you want to fill in. Um, and one of the things I've heard you talk about is that you really want to be able to teach and model for Stanley, the idea that like, it really doesn't matter what others think. And you feel like that's been a great source of your happiness. And I'm curious, uh, first of all, how you came to that for yourself. Yeah, that's a really hard one for, I think, anyone to to grasp. And I remember talking about this on a run with the when I was on the Bowerman Track Club and talking to all of them. And I kept saying, well, like, the older you get, just the less they care. It was interesting because I just thought everyone was like that. And most of the ladies said, actually, I'm the opposite. Like, the older I get, the more. I care about what other people think. And I, you know, for me, I was like, wow, that really made me think like, where did I learn this and how did I learn it? And I think a lot of it came through journaling. I remember when I started triathlon in 20, oh boy, I'm going to get the years wrong, like 2010. It, my, I had a coach who said I needed to journal. And the reason we started this journal was because I was so um, what did he say? He said, I would sabotage everything. So I only saw the negatives and I never saw the positives. And so he had me start a journal and every day I had to write down three things I did well, and then three things I could improve. And the things that I did well were the most difficult for me at the start. Like I couldn't think of anything I did well. And like, obviously you do things well every day, like brush your teeth. Like there are basic things (laughs) like you can come up with that you do. And for me, that started this whole mind shift. And I started to realize, and I use this journal, like looking back and going into races to get confidence. And the more and more I did this, the more I realized that I was folk, I was doing what I needed to do in order to be myself. And I can't focus on what other people around me are saying, because they don't know what I'm doing on a daily basis. There's a few people that I think you do want to be able to go to and ask for advice. Like we're, we always can improve in areas. And, you know, so I have my husband, my coach, you know, I have like this group of like family. I have like this 10 people, I'd say 10 core people that I do want criticism from. And I do want, I do care what they think because they know what my goals are, but they also know what I'm doing to try to accomplish my goals. And so, you know, I think, yeah, this mind shift, I think also came at a time when I learned about like this, there's a, stone cutter quote, you can look it up just stone cutter quote, but it okay. basically, you know, it's essentially like a stone cutter will like pound a stone 999 times and nothing will happen. But on the 1000th time, a piece will fall off. And it wasn't that 1000th time that made the piece fall off, but the 999 before. And so for me, I viewed that as like, I know that I'm putting in the work and, you know, I think as a runner and then especially this day and age with social media, like everyone is quick to criticize. And even in my triathlon career, 
I was Olympic gold medalist and people were still saying, you know, giving me critique all the time and saying, you're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. You need to work on this. You need to work on that. And, you know, some of those things that people said I was working on and I realized, oh, that is a weakness of mine. But some of them was also just complete BS. And (laughs) if you're not like, okay, with ignoring other people, it's really hard like you start to have doubts in your head. And so for me, it was mostly just like going back to that stone cutter quote and really praising myself on a daily basis and knowing like, you know what, I am working on myself and I am, I'm doing my best and that's all I can ask. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like, is that something that you kind of consciously try to talk about with Stanley or is it more modeling or what does that look like in parenting? Yeah, Stanley, you know, we every day we sit down and we talk about like, you know, what what went well today? Like what what are we happy with? And so it's a lot of like that sort of thing just like at the dinner table, you know, a lot of times we say what we're grateful for and then, you know, we talk about like what what was really awesome today and what did we do that was good. Um, you know, sometimes we have to also talk about <laughs> maybe what was what was we could improve upon. Um, so mm-hmm. just kind of instilling that, you know, I'm not, you know, saying don't care what other people think. Um, and, you know, it's also it, it's I learned this mindset for myself. But once you have a child, you almost have to relearn it, in my opinion, because I remember the first time Stanley came home, he didn't go to any sort of preschool or daycare until he was like three and a half. And it was like the first month with him going and I had made him these like chocolate covered marshmallows and he loved them, put them in his school box and he came home and he said, don't ever put those in my lunchbox again. And I said, why? And he said, somebody said they were full of poop. And I was just like, oh no, like at age three, people already know how to like put somebody down and, you know, make them embarrassed or feel in, you know, differently about something than how they should have. And in that moment, like, I'll be honest, like I didn't use that as a teaching moment and I should have, but for me, I was so taken aback and just so like, what? how can this happen (laughs) at such a young age? And so for me, it's also just like having him, you know, it's relearning it for him as well. Like when you're a mom, you just have these completely different feelings for your child. Like you just want to be so protected, so protective of them. And it's kind of, you know, letting go of that because there's always going to be criticism and just teaching them how to cope with it. And I haven't mastered it yet. You know, it's also difficult when you have a three or four year old or younger, they don't, you know, understand everything in the world either. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, not, not quite old enough to maybe like, I'm sure that'll come up a lot more. Yes. Yes. He gets older. Yeah. So a lot of it now is just, you know, yeah. Talking, you know, we talk as a family and, you know, say what, what's going well, what can we improve upon? And, you know, just kind of relying on our own feedback and and not somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had heard you talk about, um, how you try to have, you know, emotional processing conversations with Stanley, whether that be like something that you're emotionally processing and you're just like modeling it for him or helping him with something. And I was curious if you had an example of a time when you were doing that. Oh boy. I'm not really sure if this is what you're asking, but you know, I think Stanley is someone who from a very young age has been a perfectionist and he like, doesn't want to do anything unless he's perfect at it. And so a lot since he's been young, has just been like, you have to try to be better and you have, you know, you have to try in order to, in order to become better. And, you know, a lot of it's like, we always talk about like, you just got to practice and practice and practice. And he went to a race, a little, you know, hundred meter dash, like on his bike and he didn't win. And he was super sad. He says, you know what, I'm going to practice and practice and practice. And so just like instilling things like that in him. Like, you know, you know, sometimes he'll be building blocks and it'll fall over and he'll get really emotional and really, you know, frustrated. And it's like, and I talk to him and I just say, what do we do when things go wrong? And he says, well, we have to continue to try. And so just talking to him about like, it's not about being perfect, but it's about, you know, I'm not talking to him about like the process of it. Cause he probably can't really understand that, but it's about practicing and it's about taking a chance and trying again and being willing to fail. And that's the only way to get better. And so that's something that I think he's really took on board and, and really improved just in the four years he's been alive. And he's been more willing now to fail, which has had allowed, allowed him to, to become just 
successful in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool to think about the little like family phrases you have and the power of it when he hears it over and over again, then he starts saying it. Yes. Yes. And it's, yeah. Um, it is, I think with kids, that's really the majority of it is just modeling, uh, at this age, once they get older, I think it's a lot more talking, but you know, when they're one, zero, one, two, three, four, five, they really just, they do, do and say everything you are doing and saying. And so a lot of it is just, you know, it's, it was funny as well. We had a friend who wasn't an, maybe he was an athlete and he, we were at the park. I can't remember exactly what happened, but, oh, that's what it was. Patrick, my husband was jumping into this lake. Um, and Stanley was giving Patrick critical feedback. He was like, no dad, next time you need to put your feet together and you need to do this. And this, our friend of ours was like, do you know how rare it is for a three-year-old to give critical feedback? And, you know, that's something that I think, you know, a lot of people don't like critical feedback or they think it's putting them down or they become really sad. And like our family is constantly like, how can we improve? What can we do better? And so having that critical feedback and being willing to accept it and, um, work on ourselves is something that I guess is unusual according to our friend, um, in a, in a young child like that. Yeah. Well, that makes me think, um, I was watching your U S champs half marathon recap and you know, you were saying, I, you know, paraphrasing, but you were saying like, I, you know, I wasn't my nutrition. Like it was, I don't know if it was mentally, like it must've just been me. And for me, when I like the idea of, you know, I was like, Oh God, that just feels like it would hurt so much. The idea of having to like, kind of, I would look at it as like blaming myself and feeling so bad about myself. And I was like, but Gwen seems like she seems to not take it that way. Like she seems to be looking at it more neutral. And I wanted to ask like <laughs> how, yeah, how that feels when you talk about this idea of like, Oh, I think, I think I was the reason the race went this way. Um, what did it actually feel like for you? Yeah. I mean, I was upset after that race, but something I learned very early on is like, give yourself time and space to be upset, but have a limit to it. And so a lot of times I give myself like 24 hours and then just get over it. And I mean, it's so cliche, but you really do learn the most from the races that go poorly. And, you know, I've done a lot more digging since that interview in that race. And, um, there's a, it was just a multitude of things that went wrong. I wasn't heat trained and it was a super hot race there just like all these little things that add up. And, you know, for me, it's also just like, sometimes you just, you're not your best. And I was talking to my husband about this and it's like, okay, I'm a professional athlete. And so anytime I perform, I am judged. Like I am out putting myself out there world to see everyone knows if I fail, everyone knows if I succeed, if you're a different business owner, if you're in a different sort of field and you fail, most people don't know, like maybe two or three, maybe 10 people within the business, like depending how you know big the project is or what you're working on. No, but you're not really in the public eye. And I, I just remember saying like, I don't know. It's like everyone fails. That's the way you get better. And for me, I think because I don't care what other people think I'm able to take it better. And it's just like, you know what, that didn't go as planned. Um, sometimes crap just happens. And, you know, I think if we bring that back to like how we raise our kids, like I remember coming home from that race and talking to Stanley and saying, Oh man, the race didn't go as I planned. I didn't like how the outcome, you know, turned out, but I know that I'm working, you know, I know that I've been working on my drills and I can see these improvements in practice. And I'm like, so what do you think I'm going to continue to do? And he, you know, because we've talked about this so much, he's like, you're going to continue to try. And so I think, you know, just like kind of instilling that and talking about it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for me, I, I, I don't know why my younger self, my high school self would have been just mortified, just would have been, you know, crying for weeks, just super upset. Um, I think as well though, like once you have a kid, you also have a lot of perspective, like, yes, it's my job. Yes. It's my livelihood. Yes. I wanted to do well, but at the end of the day, I'm healthy. I have a beautiful son. I have a family that loves me. And like, those are the things that matter. And even if I, you know, stop getting paid and can't run anymore, like 
there are other things in my life that make me who I am. And I think that's something that really allows me to kind of like get over those low points so that I'm able to have those highs because you have to be able to continue to try and in order to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I was, as I was watching, I was like, I should bring this video to my therapist and we should talk about like how that's like, that's the way I want to, you know, talk to myself when I've done something or failed. Yep. <laughs> it's hard. And I mean, I do, you know, like I have a psychologist and I work with them weekly and uh, my current coach is actually a mental skills coach as well. So we're just constantly working on those things. And I think, you know, that is something like if you're working on yourself, that's how you, yeah, are able to persevere. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you talk about how Bobby McGee, you do so much more mental skills coaching with him. What does that look like in kind of a like day-to-day at practice way? Day-to-day is often confronting, but I kind of like, I'm someone who I almost like soak it in when I get feedback. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I can improve. I can get better. Yes. So like, I actually like it, but you know, um, you know, there's some days when it's confronting, I show up and I say something, you know, just this, you know, and Bobby's like, Oh, it's interesting. You say that let's, you know, let's read into that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example of something I would say, you know, like, Oh man, like, I, I wanted to have two minutes rest, not one minute rest or like whatever it is. Like, and he'll be like, yeah. well, let's dig into that. Like, why did you say that? You know, what, what do you actually just like, yeah. Or, you know, like if I'm showed up to drills and I'm just like, oh man, today I'm just not feeling this. And he'll be like, why, what's going on? Um, and we kind of just dig into things or, you know, going into a race, he'll ask like, how are you feeling? And, you know, sometimes, you know, even like, after that half marathon champs, I'll be like, I'm totally fine. He's like, Gwen, are you actually fine though? Like, let's talk about this. So, you know, having that, um, is something that it can be confronting at time, but also really exciting. Um, just depending on where I am, but you know, like for instance, yesterday, Bobby sent an email and I had to fill out like all these things and rate myself on them. So like, um, you know, confidence and modeling and, uh, self-efficacy and, there was like 10 different things. And I had to say like, do I have them? Do I want, do I have them? Like, what's my rate of how good I am at them one through 10. And then, um, do I want them? And then Bobby kind of like reads those goes back and like inserts things, um, you know, while I'm running almost, um, in the middle of workouts to kind of, you know, help me build that stuff up. So like in the middle of a rep, if I'm really struggling, a lot of times he'll just, you know, bring me back to, what I should be focusing on, you know, like, okay, work on that cadence, like stop looking at the watch. This is all about form. Like when it gets really tough, all you have to do is focus on form. Cause the harder you try when you're tired, the slower you go. So like giving me tips like that, um, is yeah, kind of really cool to be able to, to work with that one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, I love hearing that now more pro athletes are talking about their mental training because I feel like that's for so long been kind of this like misunderstood, not spoken about, not appreciated part of running. Yeah. And not even, even more so than, than mental skills, like just mental health. You know, I think a lot of times athletes are prone to mental health illnesses and diseases. And especially like with the, you know, Olympics, you have these big highs, these really low lows, you're in the spotlight. Like there's a lot that goes on with that. And I think, you know, when I grew up, it was, and I think times are changing, but you know, when I was a a kid, it was really kind of taboo to see a psychologist. I remember I actually, I've, I've always been very mm, like bold. And I remember in high school asking to see a sports psychologist. And I was told like, why would you do that? And it was almost like, why, why would you ever need that? Like you're, you're not, you know, sick mentally. And I think now people are talking about it more and it is just more acceptable. It's, it's no different than, you know, having, having a psychologist is no different than having a running coach. You're just working on your brain instead of your cardio. And I think your brain's actually more important. Like we should all have that coach. So I do think that is, yeah, like you said, more people are talking about it, which is really exciting because people do need to be okay with working on their, their minds. Like that is something that, um, all of us could benefit from, um, you know, if somebody works on themselves, it's actually going to benefit an outsider as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a 
big fan of therapy. And anytime I'm talking to a friend, they're going something. I'm like, do you see a therapist? <laughs> yes. See a therapist. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you remember in high school when you asked for a sports psychologist, like how you had heard of that or what made, like what prompted you to ask for that? I prompted, I asked for it because I was going best times in practice and not um, beating them in meets. And so for me, I was like, mm. what's going on? Like, I know I have the capabilities, so it must be, um, in my mind. So that's why I reached out for some guidance. Yeah. And was that, that was for swimming, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, um, thinking about swimming, I had heard you share how in college you were the best on the track team and you said the worst on the swim team. And that really helped you like see this both sides of like having your ego checked and then also like being on top of the world. And that's something that I feel like probably so few pro athletes have, (laughs) um, like that, you know, maybe that's like your like secret power is that you've had this experience. Um, and yeah, I'm curious from your perspective, kind of what strength that's given you that you had the experience on both sides. Yeah. Um, so much strength. Yeah. So I swam first and then switched to running. And so, I mean, I was the worst on the team and, you know, I just knew what it felt like to put in as much work as everyone else and not see the results. And, you know, I would in so many, you know, ask, you know, coach, can you stay after and can you work on drills? Like, you know, I was putting in the time and just wasn't seeing the results. And I just remember how frustrated I'd be and just like looking at other people and be like, well, why can they do it? And I can't like, what are they doing? What do they have that I don't And just being so frustrated. And then I joined the track team and I joined the track team my junior year, like indoors, it was already over. It was already like a week or two into outdoors. And by the end of outdoors, I was like the first person to not make NCAAs in the 1500. So like had this immediate success. And I just remember, you know, there was people on the team who were really just welcoming to me, even when I just kind of like had success that maybe they thought wasn't deserved and other people who had a hard time with that. And I felt like I could understand it all just because I had been on the other side and I understand like what it is to put in all the work and feel like you're doing it all, but not getting the results that you want. And, you know, a lot of that goes back to comparing yourself to others, right? So it was a big lesson of just like, you can't compare yourself to others and you have to focus on, I mean, going back to what I've talked about, like the process, the technique, like pounding the rock. Like if you are doing what you're supposed to do, that's all that matters. Like it's getting the most out of yourself and not comparing yourself. And, you know, part of it as well, like being happy for other people, like learning how to be happy for others when they have success and you don't. And that I think can be difficult until you do it. And once you do it, you realize that you actually become better because you can feed off of their success and they can feed off of yours and everyone is actually uplifted. But a lot of people are scared of doing that or too insecure. But like once you're able to do that, it really does make you, it's like selfishly can make you a much better athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Do was it do you feel like it was in college that you kind of adapted that idea of cheering on other people? Or is that later in your professional career that you started trying no, to was, embody that more? It was definitely college. Like, and you know, even like when I was in swimming, like I had roommates, I loved them, I cheered them on, super happy for them. Um, and you know, even like when I wouldn't go to NCAAs, like I was more, I just remember when they all were going to NCAAs. And this is why I joined the track team because they were all training. And I was just like, I just want to train. And like, I couldn't go to practices and I felt like I was being left out and I was so happy for them. But for me, I was like, I just want to be in the pool too. Like, I just want to be get, getting better as well. Um, and yeah, you know, I think as well, like that carried over to the track team and just every area of my life. And I think, you know, I think as well, a lot of it was just like how, how I was brought up with my parents. Like, I think my parents just modeled really good behavior of encouraging other people, no matter if they were better than them or worse than them. Like, that's just kind of how we were raised. Yeah. Was that, did that usually come up in the context of sports that your parents would, you know, you'd be at a game and they'd be like, yeah, it's great that that other person did well. Or how did that come up with your parents? Yeah. I think for me, I was so obsessed with swimming and 
we didn't actually talk about sports too much because I didn't want to. I was this very moody teenager and often didn't perform how I wanted in swimming. And so my parents would be like, oh, that's great. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Just like we didn't really talk about sports. Um, But my mom was a choir teacher and she also so my parents had my sister and I both. We had to do at least one sport and at least one instrument. And, you know, it was more like through that, um, I think through orchestra. Uh, playing the violin, um, you know, watching my mom have concerts and just those sorts of things. I think it was more musically based that I learned that through. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's that's cool to like get that lesson from your musical side and use it in sport. Yes. I think everything is so intertwined and, you know, like you're talking about how running can interact with being a mom, like everything we do interacts with everything. And it's not just you know, one, I'm, I'm going off on a total tangent now, but like, I just think about like everything is connected in our bodies. And like, um, so like, you know, your body knows stress is stress. Your body knows happiness is happiness. It doesn't matter where it comes from. So like, if you have stress in your personal life, it's going to impact your running and like vice versa. And it's not, um, you know, I think a lot of times we think like, Oh, running's over here being a mom's over here running's you know down there like every or like everything's in separate areas and it's not like it all is intertwined in everything yeah yeah like you've just got the one pot of energy to pull from yes yeah (laughs) exactly yeah okay I heard you say on one of your uh on one of your videos you're talking about a race I forget which race it was and I think I think Patrick might have said something like you know, I think maybe you were the only mom out there and you were like, no, that we're not going to celebrate just that I was like the best mom out there. Um, and I wanted to hear more about, you know, where that comes from. And uh, yeah, your thoughts on that. That comes from my triathlon days and my uh, triathlon coach, Jamie Turner, when people would be like, oh, I just want to be best American or I just want to be best Australian. And he would always be like, why are we celebrating this? No, like do not celebrate this mediocrity. And this sounds so harsh, but I mean, it was more like, we need to set, you know, like you want to be the best in the world. Like don't compare yourself to that, Mm -hmm. like compare it to the best. And so I think I've always just had this mentality since then of like, I'm going to compare myself to the, the absolute best. And I think it's really in triathlon, I saw it. And now I've seen it in running as well, where women, I'm going to just speak to American women, you know, in, in triathlon, it was always, when I joined, it was like about being best American and pretty like we, some women started winning medals and all of a sudden it wasn't about being best American. Like somebody else did it and you saw that you could do it. And so then, you know, same thing in running, I think we're seeing, you know, just this huge, you know, Molly Seidel getting a medal and the marathon, like a few years ago, I just, when I joined running, I just remember everyone talking about, I just want to be best American. And I know it's not going to be, you know, the best that'll be in the world stage will be top 20 or top 10. And that's okay. But it's like, why, like, why can't you compete with the best in the world? And I think we're seeing that, like, once you believe it, and once you kind of embody it, then just more and more people do it. Like women's running has just distance running has just taken off. Like we're seeing American records fall or, you know, just, everybody's becoming better. And I think a lot of that stems from the mentality of not just trying to be like, not, you know, it's interesting because like, you don't want to celebrate like being, you know, I didn't want to celebrate being the best mom, but I think there are also the flip side of this whole conversation is you do need to celebrate your small wins. Like that's something that I'm really passionate about. So like when you Mm -hmm. see improvements, celebrate those, no matter how small, they are because that's it's just really important in in all of life and so but you shouldn't be comparing it to like the americans or this or that like you should be like oh my gosh that was the first race that you know i came off track mentally three times but three three times i was able to regain my focus whereas in the past i'd let that throw me and then you know the entire race goes down the hole so like celebrate those sorts of things um and that's really i think yeah. We don't really celebrate our successes as much as we should in that regard. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, I feel like a lot of kind of themes have been coming up around 
the idea of both and like it's not either or and this is this is a great one that no one else has kind of put into words of you you can have really big goals and have really high standards and you can celebrate small wins it's it doesn't have to be either or it's exactly right um you know actually like right now uh i just had covid and i had to take 2 weeks off completely of running and i was so happy that i could run 30 minutes without stopping and I celebrated that. And like, that's ridiculous for me. Like I did nothing else the rest of the day. I ran 30 minutes and that is I'm a professional runner. And like, that's all I did <laughs> for the day. But for me, I was like, this is huge. Like I couldn't run without my heart rate spiking. And then like, I remember I tried to run too early and my fever came back. So it's like, oh, finally, like I listened to my body and I'm able to just like do this. And, you know, I think it's in, yeah, it's something that we have to celebrate the small, we have to celebrate where we are if you're coming back from injury, if you're coming back from having a baby, just celebrate where you are because you have made steps in the right direction. And so I think that's really important and not thinking about like, well, you know, at my best, I was this, or a month ago, I would have been able to run a marathon on the weekend. And now I can only run 30 minutes. Like, no, celebrate where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the with the really big goals, I think I heard you talk about this in relation to when you set the you know you when you still have the goal of wanting to get a uh, goal of the Olympics in a marathon in the marathon, and that was your goal for Tokyo. And like you had this really big goal, and you talked about and it was okay that plans changed, and like you there came to a point where you changed that goal. Um, and I wanted to hear more about that process of kind of when plans change and how like changing your goal looked. Yeah. Um, I'm somebody who I think because I don't care what other people think, I just say what I actually want. And I, you know, when I said I wanted to, to win the marathon, a lot of people like, were like, who is she? What is she doing? She's crazy. This is insane. But the way I look at it is, okay. If you go to the Olympic trials, do you want to qualify for the Olympics? Yes. Like everyone there would love to qualify for the Olympics. If you're at the Olympics, do you want to win? Yes. Like everyone wants to win. And I think, you know, we're often especially as females shamed into not saying what we want. And, you know, I think, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I had this goal and I had, um, uh, Hagelin's deformity, which is a bone spur that needed surgery. And, you know, I was coming back from that and we just looked at the calendar and it was like, this just like, doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, we could go to the trials, but you wouldn't get the training in. And, you know, I'd just kind of be going to going, I, I wouldn't be going to actually perform my best. And so, yeah, I just, you know, I said, okay, it's time to, to readjust that goal. And I think that's why it's really important to have, you have this big end goal, but you have to have these like checkpoints along the way. And then below those checkpoints, you need to have all the process and technique things that you're going to do to achieve those smaller goals. And if you come off track, like, I think it's really important to be able to, to readjust and it takes a lot of confidence to be able to say, you know what, like this isn't a reality anymore, but what is a reality and what can I accomplish? And yeah. So like, for me, it was super exciting then to be able to turn to track, which is something that will make me a better marathoner in the long run. Um, so yeah, I think it's just like, knowing where you're at and not, not being afraid or not being guilted into thinking you have to like stick with that goal forever until you die, like do what's best in that situation. Like you don't want to do it if it's going to cause you harm or it's going to, you know, make you injured or unhappy. Like it's really important to have goals that are fluid. Yeah. Do you remember, was it, did you feel a lot of kind of resistance or, or sadness around that? Or like, how was it mentally to transition to, okay, my goal had been on the marathon. Now my focus is on track. I don't know. I didn't really have sadness. I was actually pretty excited about it. Um, I think because for me, I already knew, like I had the surgery and I was like, Oh, it's just not going to be possible to like run big miles before the trial. And so for me, it was like, Oh, like, I guess I was almost like this, I just knew in my heart, like it wasn't the right decision to do the marathon. And so for me, when we're, I remember talking to Jerry was my coach at the time, Jerry, and he's like, well, why don't we like go to the track? And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Like I have an extra nine months. I can do less mileage and let my body heal. Like I'm not going to be pushing my body and trying to, you know, like make it injured long-term. Like we're going to actually like listen to my body and get the most out of myself. And for me, I've been really 
I want to run because I want to find my potential. And I knew I hadn't reached my potential in the 5k, 10k. And so that was also just exciting for me. And I think that's important too. If you change your goal, like make sure you find another goal that is still exciting for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So this next question I've started asking people because I, I don't want the book to be like totally all rosy butterflies, rainbows. Um, of what's a challenge that you're in the middle of right now? Something this could be in running, it could be in parenting, any part of life that you're in the middle of it, you're not really to the other side yet. Honestly, it's just recovering from COVID. Um, you know, having, I was, I joined my new running coach, Bobby McGee. I had one race that was pretty good. And then that half marathon that wasn't good. And then I got COVID and couldn't race again. And I had all this fitness that I couldn't show. And to me, I'm like, oh, I have to start from ground, like literally ground zero after mm-hmm. having, like, I was fit. Like I was ready to do a bunch of races. And the last memory is this race that went poorly. And so for me, that that's like a challenge. And I think, you know, I kind of already talked about this, but I'm, you just kind of got to let that go. And like I said earlier, like let go of what's happened in the past and celebrate where you are today. Um, yeah. you know, which is why like, Oh, I'm happy that I can run 30 minutes today instead of being in bed all day with a fever. So like, that's been, been a big challenge. And I guess in like family life, we moved to Boulder from Portland and we explained it to Stanley. We had talked about it for a couple years before it happened. We always said like, this isn't going to be where we live forever, but he, whenever he's upset, um, he always says, I want to go back to my Portland home. He, you know, he, 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 so like just kind of, you know, I think the challenge there is this is probably the only adversity Stanley's ever had in his life. And so for me, I, I almost, it's a blessing, but it's also just really difficult when, you know, your child is like, why are we here? I want to go back to Portland. And, you know, just kind of trying to explain these big concepts of our life and like why we moved and, um, you know, but also taking into consideration his thoughts, like he's a part of the family too. Um, yeah. but also trying to teach him like adversity is good. Like, you know, he had to go to a new school and he didn't know anyone and that was hard and, you know, explaining, you know, we went back and we explained like, well, you know, daddy and I had to go to a bunch of different schools too. Like the older you get, you know, you have a grade school and a middle school and a high school and you switch all these things and you constantly have to make new friends and it's hard and it's difficult, but it also can be amazing. And the beautiful thing is you can have, you know, we FaceTime his Portland friends and now we have new friends too in Boulder. And so, yeah, that's kind of been a challenge. Just, you know, you never want to see your child um, uh, you know, going through a difficult time, but you also, you know, in a way you almost have to make them go through difficult times because life is not easy. Like we're all going to go through times that are miserable and horrible and we don't like things we can't control. And so, yeah, I think it, you know, that's, that challenge has been, I guess, more difficult for me as a parent, just being like, this is actually good for him to go through this and learn this and talk about this. Um, and me having to not want to protect him in everything. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that part of parenting gets very hard. (laughs) (laughs) You just want to like keep them in the safety bubble, but that's not reality. And like, you have to, you know, they're going to go out of the nest eventually. And so you have to prepare them for failure. You have to prepare them for people being mean. You have to prepare them for, you know, people just, yeah, you know, friends changing, you know, being fired from a job, like doing bad at work, like getting, you know, sending an accidental email that you shouldn't like things always happen that are wrong. And, um, that's just life. And you have to kind of prepare them for that. But you obviously as a parent want their life to be as easy as possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I realized I didn't ask, did, do you have any other, um, mental skills or attitudes that you feel like, um, kind of connect between parenting and running that we didn't talk about? Hmm. I don't know. You know, I think, yeah, like everything, you know, overlaps. I can't really think of anything in particular. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure I, uh, didn't, you know, cut you off if you had something in mind. Um, 
Talking more about motherhood, what do you feel like have been some of the, well, we just talked about one challenging part of motherhood, this idea of like, you can't protect them from everything and you, you shouldn't, uh, even, um, what have been some other of the more challenging parts of either like kind of for you becoming a mother and that changing you yourself or of actually like parenting? Yeah, well, parenting, I think, um, you know, is a lot just about communication and, you know, a lot of times we marry people or with people, partners who are different than us and challenge us in different ways. But when you parent, you have to be on the same page. And so I think a lot of it is, you know, really making sure that you have this communication and that, um, you know, if this happens, what's, what's the plan? Cause you don't want your child to go to mom and one thing is said, and then go to dad and another thing is said, cause it just, I think creates this mistrust within the family, um, yeah. or confusion for kids as well. So I think, you know, talking about like, Ooh, this, this happened today at school. What do you think we should talk to our child about? Like, how should we approach this? Um, and then, you know, I think as well, like something I was really ready for, but that was a big change for me from an athlete. Like when you're an athlete, you're very selfish. You have to be. And when you have a child, you are completely selfless. And, you know, I look back at my first year of running with Stanley and I did so many things that I would have never done as a professional athlete. If I didn't have a child that, you know, like I remember, you know, I'd run and I'd come home and I'd have to breastfeed right away. And so like, I wasn't eating. And then I like, he was, you know, drinking all my milk, depleting me. And then like, you know, three hours later, after I've done a hard workout at breastfed, I put him down and finally eating. And I just remember being tired all the time. And I look back and I'm like, yeah. of course I was tired. Like I wasn't taking care of my body. Like maybe I should have pumped before I left so that I could come home and have a meal and, you know, like things like that. But, you know, um, it's been a huge blessing to be able like for me to have this other thing in my life that isn't just all about me. And it's, you know, also like you have a child and you're like, you don't want to be selfish all the time. Cause you don't want your child to be selfish all the time. And so it's, um, yeah, that's been something that was just, uh, that changed, but was, I mean, it wasn't difficult because I actually have really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I feel like this idea of like being selfish, selfless keeps coming up. And I've been meaning to just like actually look up the definition of selfish because I feel like it's such a dirty word and, you know, it makes me wonder, like, is there a better word we can use to like validate that there are things you need to do for yourself? Yeah. I mean, there are, you do. And you know, that is like, as well, you, I've learned that like you can't go so far in that you're only meeting your child's needs and you're not meeting your own needs. Like I know for sure that yeah. if I didn't go for my run, if I didn't take a shower. If I, you know, like if I didn't make time to have friends, like I would be a miserable parent and that is not what your child needs. So I think, you know, there's finding this balance of, you know, knowing that, you know, what are your priorities and kind of, you know, a lot of it's comes back to like balance your life and like, you can't do everything. Like I'm not going like I had have friends who are like, Oh, let's go out to dinner and then do that. I'm like, Oh, actually, you know, like I really try to do family time from 5 PM on. So like, do you want to, you know, Stanley's in school from nine to one. Do you want to grab lunch? Do you want to go for a run during your work break? Like things like that. And I think it's just kind of like figuring out what are the priorities in your life and then sticking to them and, you know, really like making it work for everyone. Cause you can be selfish and you need to be selfish in what was the definition? I'm curious. Cause I want to know what, what are the definitions of selfish? I would say I've, I've been meaning to look it up. I haven't. Oh, um, so yes. I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, cause like, you know, you also, you go, I always go back to like the, on the airplane, like always take care of, you know, always put your mask on before helping others. Like you can't yeah. help others unless you help yourself, but you also can't be so selfish that you're just ignoring your child. So I think, you know, just having a child has brought a really good balance I think, um, in our family. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that comes to mind for you with this idea of the lessons well, learned think, in motherhood and running? I mean, motherhood and running for me, I think, I think it's important to not compare yourself to anyone else's journey. When mm-hmm. I remember like talking to a bunch of professional runners who had kids and like asking them about their return. And some of them were like, oh, I was running the next day. I was running 
you know, two weeks later I was running, you know, I waited the six weeks and I ran and I actually had a pretty easy pregnancy and I was able to run through it, but most of the mothers I talked to weren't able to run through, but they were able to run right after. And I was not able to run after for a long, long time. Like I remember at six weeks Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to be able to run and which is another thing, like a lot of times, you know, you're at this six week appointment and I go back to like injuries as well. Like a lot of times, you know, okay, if you have a bone injury, you take off six weeks or whatever it is. And it's not that like after six weeks, you're magically healed. Like it's not like one day you're not healed and the next day you're healed. That's not how it works. And that's the same thing in pregnancy. And so like, for me, I tried to run at six weeks because that was, you know, what I was told I could do. And it was horrible. Like I remember going out, I made it a minute and I was like, absolutely not. So I think you just need to like, listen to your body, be kind to yourself, be patient with yourself. Don't compare your journey to somebody else's. You will get back into running. Um, but just, you need to listen to your body. And for me, you know, a lot of it was just, I just went for walks, stroller walks for a long time until my body was ready and able to run. So I think like that with motherhood was something that I wasn't expecting was just how long my recovery from the birth would be and just needing to be patient and kind with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's crazy that it's like, it's quote the same like diagnosis, like pregnancy. And yet everyone has such different experiences. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Um, so I really appreciate your time and all your thoughtfulness you put into everything you shared. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yes. I'm excited to read the book when it comes out. Yeah. Thank you for doing that for women. I appreciate it. It's nice to chat with you. Thanks for listening to Mind Over Miles. You can learn more about my running and mindset coaching, the book, and everything else at mindovermilespod.com.